Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. If you like haunted houses, you'll love one of America's biggest and best in Niles. The Etzel and Eleanor Ford House has reopened for tours after an extensive restoration. For the 20th year, the C.S. Lewis Festival is back in Petoskey, honoring the beloved author and his works like The Chronicles of Narnia. And the beachgoers have left Traverse City for another season, but there's so much more in this area to explore in autumn. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. It's good to be back with you again this week as we get to talk to uh, some of our friends from all over the state about some things that you're going to want to do as we transition even more so into our next season. Uh, You know, this summer was a great summer, but I want to get into real fall. Let's, Let's really get into all those fall activities that we all love. And one of them, I know many of you love being scared at the Halloween time. You love being scared. Okay, let's let's go to the place where you're going to enjoy uh, all those screams and scary activities by going over to Niles to talk to our old friend Pete Karlowitz, who is with the one and only Niles Scream Park. You know, Pete, I still haven't been there. I know I need to go because everybody says it's the best there is. Well, we're we're still waiting for you, Dave. I know. If I recall correctly, last year you were supposed to be in the I know. area, and we missed your visit. I know everything's been uh, been so so crazy schedule wise, but and you know, I, you know, if I want to get scared, I'll watch nightly news. But it's time. <laughs> I need to check out the Nile Scream Park because. As I've heard from you over the, the past several years, you really are considered one of the best. Give us a little idea of what the Nile Scream Park is all about. Well, the Nile Scream Park is what we call a frightful nightful. We have multiple attractions, and it will take you the entire evening to see everything if you come and, and choose to do that. Yeah, I bet. Um, and, and, you know, when you, I think, didn't you used to just call yourselves the Nile Scream House, or has it always been the, the park as part of your name? That's a good memory. We used to just be called the Nile's Haunted House, and then when we added so many attractions, we changed it from the Nile's Haunted House to the Nile Scream Park. Yeah, because you have something like 40 acres or so of uh, blood-curdling fun. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Although a significant portion of that is for our parking lot, but we, we do take up uh, a complete park is 44 acres yeah well it, you know with a parking lot that size i'm sure that it's going to be a little scary getting out of the the park sometimes but but so you have you have this park and you have a variety of attractions within the attraction tell us about that all right we have three interior attractions one is the mainstay known as the niles haunted house then there are two others that are interior this year one of the shows is called the 
Sinister Streets of Salem, and the other one is called The Evil Estate. And those three are interior shows. Then we have our outside shows, The Field of Screams, and The Dark Terroratory Haunted Hayride. And if that's not enough for you, we have another one that is interior called Hooded, where you must be an adult, you must sign a waiver, because you will be touched as you go through the attraction completely hooded, which means you can't see anything. Ah, great. Lovely. Okay, so so I know, I know a lot of people love that stuff. I know my brother will, so I, I need to bring him down there with me. Uh, now, how did you end up having all of this in Niles? Well, this is um, our 49th season. So over the years, it's grown from just a haunted house that was so popular that we had to move out to the country to our 44 acres because we could not accommodate the crowds and the traffic. And so it's it basically it's evolved over time. When we moved to the country, we started out with one attraction. And then as time went by, we moved up to what we now have, which are the five main attractions. Then there's the hooded and we have escape rooms and we have a midway with different games. Uh, so that it's, just something that's evolved over time. Mm. The inside attractions, are they all in the same building, or do you have multiple buildings there? There are two buildings. One building houses the Niles Haunted House. A separate building houses the shows known as the Sinister Streets of Salem and the Evil Estate. Mm. Okay. So if you have a family and you have younger kids, you still want to bring everybody there. Is this something that, that an entire family could come and, and kind of find what suits each member of the family? That's correct. We The easiest, tamest, if you will, attraction is the, the hayride. And, and pretty much anyone can handle that. It's not that scary. I consider it more hokey fun. Now, the other attractions, people say, well, what's the age? The age really varies with the child. It depends on their state of mind. So, you, you know, a, a six-year-old might be able to handle it. But then again, a 15-year-old might be too afraid. So it really just depends. But we have games in the midway. We have, of course, we have the, the good, if you will, concession food. So there's, there's a lot to do. We have photo opportunities um, throughout the midway. So even if you have someone that's not really ready for the serious scares, there are other things there for them to do. And that's, again, why we call it a frightful nightfall. Well, I know uh, people can go to your website, haunted.org, for more information. You're open now. How how late into the season do you stay open? Well, we are open through October 30th with our normal uh, attractions. Then we're open the following weekend, which is just Friday and Saturday, November 4th and 5th, for what we call blackout. And we change some of the events where there are no lights. And the motto is, one group, one glow stick, good luck. So we give you a glow stick, and then you're pretty much on your own to go through the attraction. And people say, well, how are you going to scare me if there's no lights and you can't see me? And it's like, uh, excuse me, you have a glow stick. Yeah. We know you're coming. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Let's make this the year that uh, I see you down there at the Niles Scream Park in Niles. For information, go to Haunted. 
www.thepeakcitycenter.org. And our thanks to Pete Karlowitz for being with us today. We're going to check out a house of a different sort, very different, next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. So we were talking about that really cool haunted house and uh, Niles Scream Park over there. Now we're going to talk about a house of a totally different kind. Um, You know, it gets me wondering if they've ever heard any stories about any kind of ghosts in the Ford House, but we will check it out. We're going to go talk to folks from the Edsel and Eleanor Ford House, a wonderful place in Gross Point Shores. And let's bring in Mark Hepner. He is president and CEO of Ford House. Mark, it's good to talk to you. David, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you so much for having me today. So have you ever had any ghost stories anybody's ever told you uh, uh, there at the Ford House? <laughs> David, I'll tell you this. For over 30 years, I've been uh, working with historic estates in wonderful places, and that's always one of the most number one questions, <laughs> is it haunted? And I can tell you, 30 years of doing this, I have yet have had an experience that I could not justify uh, with rationale, and so I can't say that it is haunted and that I've not experienced it myself. That's not to say it couldn't be. Yeah, darn it. Well, maybe maybe <laughs> one of these days. Well, it, 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 the cool thing is, it is just, this is an awesome estate, and uh, I know there are still a lot of people who have never seen the mm-hmm. Etzel and Eleanor Ford House, and you've just gone through this major restoration, but but let's let's talk about the house itself, and the estate. Why don't you give a little background on that? Well, sure. And I, I think to your point, I'm sure many of our, uh, your listeners really don't realize that we have this National Historic Landmark uh, uh, state here in the state of Michigan. And what, when I say that, I mean the national federal government has designated it being nationally significant and for a whole host of reasons. And we're very proud of the work that we do. But we're here um, as the former estate of Etzel Ford, who was the only child of Henry and Clara Ford, and his wife, Eleanor, and they had their four children here. So this is really the, the heart of the Ford family story here, which, as many people here in Michigan, really um, tie that, uh, the, the Ford family story, the Michigan story. Um, they're really interwoven, and so we preserve that family story. We preserve the estate, this country house estate here in Gross Point Shores, and we're in a bold new future where we're uh, doing new programming, reimagining this state to really serve the community in new, exciting ways. And so Edsel Ford was Henry Ford's son. Only uh, child. Yep, only child, son. right, married to Eleanor. And uh, the, so uh, that whole interchange and, and relationship story between Henry and Edsel uh, with Eleanor as well, that's just a fascinating thing that I would love to take an hour to talk to you about that. <laughs> but but you, get a, you get a feel for the relationship, at least between Eleanor and Edsel, as you go through this house. For sure. Well, you know, that's one of the things that's really, uh, uh, it's hard. I will say it's not impossible, but it's hard in these historic estates across the country to really bring alive the people that live there and to tell their stories. Because, you know, you're using words, and you, you're typically taken through an empty house. And even though it has the furnishings and the knickknacks and personal objects, it's still hard to imagine these as exciting homes where people talked and shared memories and cried and laughed. And so one of the things that's really exciting with our new buildings that we opened up just about a year and, uh, year and a half ago 
is a our orientation exhibition where we took a lot of historic film, family film, and photographs and are able to share that with the public to see that interaction, the love in their eyes, the playfulness, um, the, the, you know, the passion, the compassion. And so I think here at this estate, being a home, and that's really what we talk about, not really a house, but a home. And it's about memories. It's about family. It's about um, coming together. And like I said, it's sharing those uh, those challenges, the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. And it really comes alive here at this state. And I think that's why a lot of people connect and resonate there. How many kids did Edsel and Eleanor Ford have? So they had four children. So um, all of the Ford family members uh, that are active here locally and nationally and internationally all come from Edsel and Eleanor's um, uh, marriage. And um, it's really exciting because even today, our board of directors, um, our trustees here actually are all Ford family uh, relatives. And so it's a very, very um, still meaningful and intimate um, a part of their lives. And they take great pride um, that this is still the family home, and now it serves the community in many different ways, and I think ways that Eleanor would be extremely proud of. Well, when you visit this really interesting campus, I guess I'll call it, because it's a huge <laughs> property and it it's is. really beautiful, um, now, as you mentioned, there are, there are new ways to experience it. The whole welcoming experience is totally different. I want to get into that in a second, but first, let's make sure for people who have never been to the house— Tell us about the house, how it came to be, uh, where it's situated, a little bit about the uh, the house itself. Sure, absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't know this property, which was historically uh, called Gockler Point. Uh, it was the French name of this area by uh, owned by Gockler. I'm not so sure I know too much about him. Um, but at one point, actually, Henry bought the property and thought about building his new estate out here. He ultimately ended up going to uh, Dearborn. So he held on to the property and eventually sold it to Etzel and Eleanor. So they built this in the 28-29. Um, Albert Kahn was the architect. Jens Jensen, renowned uh, national landscape architect, was the landscape architect. And it's just this beautiful country house here um, in Gross Point Shores. But uh, the family lived here, and it was an active family home uh, with all the four children and all the entertaining and just a hub of activity until Etzel passed away in 1943, and then many people probably know that he died at a very early death. He was age 49. Hmm. And so people don't, you know, for from 1943 to 1976, and when Eleanor died, she was, she was a widow here. Uh, the family and the children came back a lot, the grandchildren, so there's still a lot of activity, uh, but without Etzel, unfortunately. So I would say as even into the um, in 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, she started really seeing that being Eleanor. Um, things that started kind of shocking her a little bit, and a lot of that was tearing down of some of these grand old homes that were around here mm -hmm. in the area. But she was also very involved with the English uh, National Trust and how the English really embraced their heritage and these beautiful architectural um, buildings. And so she, with the help of her attorney, started early on talking about what she should do with this estate. And I will tell you, the most impressive thing, not only did she turn this over really as a nonprofit to the, serve the community, the best thing she ever did was also leave it with an endowment. And that is something that you just didn't see and you still don't see too often. And that has allowed us to actually have the highest quality of preservation, conservation, programming commitment to the estate and i as the president ceo forever grateful for the foresight that she had and that happened uh, when she passed away in 76 and 78 we opened it up to the public 
and we've been doing wonderful things ever since. Well, and you used some of that uh, funding that was left to work on this most recent mm-hmm. restoration, and the job that the Fort House staff, and I know you worked with the Albert Kahn Associates folks yep. to make sure it was brought up to snuff, is just fantastic. But the, the welcoming experience now is totally different with the new Welcome Good. Center. So that's really important, and I'm very grateful that you brought that up, because one of the things that we do know about the family at Solon Eleanor and the children, but even the family today, hospitality and that graciousness is extremely important. It's just a value. I mean, a deep value. And so we share that value here at Ford House. So we've been working really hard and using the new buildings as we open those up as a launching pad, as you said, to really change the culture um, and focus that anybody, everybody that comes here is welcome, that they see themselves here, that their stories here, they feel connectiveness, um, and that you feel like you're coming home. Um, and we're working. We're not perfect, and we're continuing to build on that. Uh, but I'm really impressed um, and very proud personally about what we've been able to accomplish in really the last year and a half in that area. And then what's also wonderful, as you're alluding to, is that uh, all these new buildings now allow us to really designate the historic core meaning the area of really where the main house is, the playhouse, the gardens and grounds. And we have launched a new era of preserving and restoring and taking these areas back to the way they were originally created by the Fords, Jensen, Kahn. And that's what this is all about now. Uh, it's, it's just incredible the work that you've done. And I, I should put a little plug in for people who might want to have a meeting in a really, really nice place because they should check the uh, the Ford House uh, for that possibility as well. The meeting space is tremendous. The campus is beautiful. You'll love the entire experience uh, at the Edsel and Eleanor Ford House. For more information, go to the website, Ford House. And our thanks to Mark Hepner, president and CEO of the Ford House, for being with us today. We're going to head up to Petoskey next to talk about C.S. Lewis. Here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. And I think a lot of people probably think of that northwest part of the lower peninsula as a place to go to at summertime. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's a really beautiful place. All those beautiful beaches, uh, all the, uh, the wonderful natural experiences that you can have in those cute little towns, neat little towns like Petoskey. And and believe me, Petoskey is a great place to be any time of the year. But coming up very soon, like within days, is uh, going to be a festival that might draw you up for a totally unexpected reason. The C.S. Lewis Festival is happening the 15th through the 18th. And to tell us all about that, let's bring in Anne McDevitt. She is the festival director. Anne, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's great to uh, be able to talk about this again, because we haven't talked to you for a little while about this. Um, I don't even know, did you have the festival uh, during the COVID period, or did you go into pause? We actually did. We just did it online. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You know, created a brand new opportunity for us with podcasts. True. You know, well, that's that's one thing that I think a lot of people discovered during that that time when we were forced to do things virtually and such, that it it opened up a new potential audience. So are you doing regular podcasts then? 
Well, we actually we did some interviews, and then we did decide to, um, in the last two years, do current interviews, and then we were revisiting. Since we've been doing this for 20 years, we brought back, we had audio from previous festivals, and that became our podcast. But, of course, we had an intro and an outro. Mm-hmm you know, done, and so it made sense, and we would release these, like, every month. They're all oh, on nice. our website. How, yeah. how, so basically, if they go to cslewisfestival.org, they'll find these podcasts as well. They are all there. Hey, fantastic. Well, that might help introduce people to the whole concept about the festival itself. Uh, you've been doing this for quite a while, 20 years now. Uh, 19. 19. So this I'm personally 19. Oh, 19 for you. But it's the 20th year, right? <laughs> Correct. All right. Well, that's that's quite a history you've already put together. We need to find out first why CS Lewis Festival in Petoskey, Michigan, cuz I know CS Lewis what he grew up in was it I- Ireland or Scotland? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of them. And yep. then I think he spent most of his time in the UK. At Oxford, uh-huh. Yeah, so so how is it that there's a C.S. Lewis Festival in Petoskey, Michigan? Well, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> That's always the first question. <laughs> well, it's true. Well, okay. There's a film producer locally. His name is David Krause. He was moving from the Chicagoland area up to northern Michigan, and he had one of his um, projects was a documentary on C.S. Lewis called The Magic Never Ends, The Life and Works of C.S. Lewis. Hmm. He went to the local ministerial association and said, gosh, I have this film that I just did on uh, C.S. Lewis. Can I show it somewhere? So I believe the first showing was in Bayview, Michigan, Hmm. which is a mile north of Petoskey, the 440 gorgeous Victorian cottages. The Chautauqua community there. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's where it was shown first. And then it was shown again. And luckily, he happened upon Tom and Sarah Arthur, who went to Wheaton. Hmm. They, they don't spend their life, um, you know, studying Lewis. I mean, they, they studied Lewis while they were in college, and they are, you know, Lewis scholars. They do other things hmm. um, for a living. But Tom Arthur happened to be at the Methodist Church, and he said, why don't we do a weekend? of C.S. Lewis, including the film. And surprisingly enough, they got a bunch of community people together, and they all came together, even that first festival 20 years ago. Hmm. The Civic Theater, the college, the churches, everybody came together to create this first festival. Yeah, and it's and it's grown since then. Well, he, he's such an interesting fellow. Um, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard the name, but why don't you give us a little background on the author himself? Well, he was born, and for, unfortunately, his mother passed away at a very early age, um, and he lived with his father and his brother, and his father for whatever reason, I'm not exactly sure, sent him to boarding school. Hmm. But the times that he wasn't at school, they lived um, very close to the woods. He spent a lot of time in nature with his brother, Warney. And um, I I believe that's how he, you know, his imagination grew. Mm -hmm. And he was able to write the Chronicles of Narnia. Eventually, and he so he was a theologian. He also wrote, you know, oh, the yeah. whole Chronicles series, and yes. an interesting thinker for sure. So, I mean, he spent most of his time at Oxford. 
Yeah. You know, they call him an Oxford Don. He, you know, he, he hung out with the other intellectual types and studied, you know, studied. That was his life. Wow. And, um, you know, the Inklings is a group of um, friends <laughs> that would get together every week, I think at 11 o'clock on Fridays. Don't quote me on that. But one of those people were, were Tolkien. Wow. And literally, they sat down. I mean, I'm not sure exactly, exactly how this happened. But at one point, they decided that Lewis was going to write the Chronicles of Narnia, and Tolkien was going to write those other little books, <laughs> The Hobbit and all those. Wow. <laughs> As wow. friends, they said, if you do that, then I'm going to do this. That's... And Lewis is known huh. for being the one that encouraged Tolkien to finish it, to wow. get it done. Well, and you know, now you think about you know, their writings turning into some of the biggest movies of this era. Uh, it's, it's something else. So for the festival itself, what are the things that people can look forward to? So when they come up to Petoskey, it's the 15th through the 18th. Um, are they going to see uh, lectures? Are they going to um, see movies? What's the schedule like? A little of everything. And first and foremost, we want people to come up north and enjoy the festival while you're here. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice way here. to put it. Right. Because, well, there's so much to do. But we do hope you'll attend at least something yeah. of the festival. <laughs> yeah. it'll, it'll, it's well worth your time. Our keynote speaker um, this year is Ann Voskamp, our, who is a writer. Um, for New York Times bestselling author. Her most recent book, um, I mean, it's, it, everything's fascinating. Um, but Christianity Today named Ann Voskamp one of the 50 women most shaping church and culture. Hmm. Our theme, um, Lewis and Women, this year. Her keynote address, How Does Lewis Speak to the Heart and Mind and Faith of the 21st Century Woman. That happens Friday, September 16th at the Great Lakes Center for the Arts. Our brand new, relatively new, five years old, lovely performing arts uh, center in Bay Harbor. That is, a, it's a beautiful venue. Um, I was there for the groundbreaking. It's right down there at uh, Bay Harbor Resort. If you're coming in from US 31, you'll see it to the left just before you get to downtown Petoskey. It's an awesome place. And Voss Camp is the Friday evening, and then Saturday we have what we call our Saturday seminar, and Anne will be um, at that as well. And Sarah Arthur, who I mentioned before, was one of the founders. And then we're adding Carolyn Curtis, who is a um, former journalist, and she wrote a book on Lewis and women. So we have a jam-packed day, Saturday seminar, um, still open. Tickets are still available for that. It's going to be a great, great day. Um, and then... Um, you know, I mean, along with that, we do, um, we're, we're going to actually start this year with a film at the Lyric Theater. Mm. Um, if you've heard of The Most Reluctant Convert, it's Max McLean. He is the New York author. He portrays Lewis, normally live theater. This is his first film that was released about a year ago. So we're going to show it again at the Lyric in Harbor Springs. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think I had heard that he was very reluctant to become a Christian, kind of converted from a science-thinking person into a faith-thinking person, and, and that comes out in his writings as well. Yeah, and that's, if, if you want to understand that, this film, The Most Reluctant Convert, is really, really, really fascinating. Mm. 
it explains it well. It's it's interesting, and Max McLean is a wonderful actor. Interesting. So so I know all your events and schedule and everything will be on the website. Do, do you have to be like a C.S. Lewis fan to enjoy it, or is this no. something for everybody? Absolutely not. That's why Anne Voskamp is so. She's oh my gosh. She's she she touches everybody. I mean, she just is so interesting. She's she's not that this matters, but she's a Canadian. She's, <laughs> She's traveling. She has a bunch of children. She just she's just a normal person, and she just writes. and And Lewis has influenced her life. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, it's all coming up the fifteenth through the eighteenth, just a few days away in Petoskey. And if you'd like more information, go to the website cslewisfestival.org. And and I love the way you you put it when you said, "Come on up, have a great time, and attend the festival." as uh, one of the things you might do when you are in Petoskey. You know, it's still a great, you know, golfing time of the year, and that's going to be for a while. So go up there and have a great time either for the weekend or maybe even stay longer. Make sure to, you know, get your reservations in advance. For more information, again, cslewisfestival.org, and our thanks to Ann McDevitt for being with us today. We're heading to Traverse City next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We were just up in that uh, Petoskey area up in northwest Michigan. And we're going to stay up in that area, kind of, uh, very close, kind of the neighborhood. Uh, we're going to head to Traverse City now to talk to our old friend Trevor Tkach to find out what's happening at this time of the year in beautiful Traverse City. How are you doing, Trevor? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Well, I don't know how you couldn't be. It's been a good summer there, hasn't it? Oh, it's been absolutely fabulous. The weather has been the best I can ever remember it being, and I think that's going to carry through into the fall season as well. I was just telling somebody that the other day, that this summer for most of the state seemed to have been, I think, the the most comfortable summer that I can imagine. You know, we had our kind of hot days and nights here and there, but for the most part, it's been great. And I was up in your area during uh, the uh, Cherry Festival, and it was fantastic then as well. So let's see what happens this coming fall. Hope it's hope it's all good. Whatever the weather, there are a lot of reasons to enjoy the Traverse City area at this time of year. Oh, there really are. Uh, and, and we always encourage people to start building your itinerary as soon as possible because uh, this is a very desirable place for many across the country and across the globe. We actually had visitors from Germany in last night and uh, people love this experience around the Great Lakes, and Traverse City epitomizes that, especially with color tours in the fall. The wineries paired with the colors and the beautiful water in the backdrop uh, really makes for a special getaway. Uh, and, and it really is a place to just come and connect with nature, unwind, and enjoy the uh, you know the last few weeks before the snow falls. Well, and you know, I, I think this is a great time to come to Traverse City, as you uh, recommend, just to kind of just hang out, not necessarily for any big event. But I will ask you right up front: any big events that that we should be aware of uh, here in you know late September um, into October or whatever that that you want to make sure we know about? Well, there's always a lot of great activities going on. We've we're uh, celebrating and putting on the 
Ironman uh, event this weekend in Frankfurt, Michigan. But then we've got the Red Wings training camp and prospect camp uh, for the NHL in Traverse City uh, mid-September. And then you roll into, you know, just a really active October, November season, mostly around the color tours and just smaller events that are happening at the wineries and on the wine trails in Leelanau and Old Mission Peninsula. And all that can be found at TraverseCity.com. And then, of course, uh, we have the, one of the world's largest mountain bike races in Traverse City. The Iceman Cometh is the first week in November. And that's always a, a, a big celebration of outdoor activity. The bikers prefer uh, the snow and the sleet and, and the more uh, horrifying conditions. Not that most visitors want that, but the riders love that just because it makes it such a unique experience. Yeah, it is kind of funny. That's the only event I can think of where they're actually hoping for bad weather, so to speak. <laughs> so to speak, bad weather. Yeah, right. that's cool. Well, so the rest of the time, and as you indicate, most people are going to be looking for those those kind of crisp days and those really cool nights, sweater weather for golf. Uh, the golf um, business has been very busy, but this is a great time to find uh, a time for taking a foursome out there or maybe just a couple of folks and enjoying golf in your area. Well, and there's such a variety of offerings in the Traverse City area, more than 20 uh, wonderful courses within Stone's Throw, some championship-level courses like the Bear uh, at Grand Traverse Resort and Spa, but then some more affordable family opportunities out there as well. And so there's a, there's a course for any level uh, and any price point, and it really is a great time to go when those leaves are just starting to change color. And the weather, like you said, it's just it's crisp. It's not too cold. It feels really comfortable, easy to be out there for 18 or even 36 holes for a day. Uh, and, and I encourage people, you know, book that stuff early and, and open your mind to coming uh, to the area midweek or maybe a couple of days earlier, hanging on for a day after the weekend into Monday, you, you will find uh, maybe a better price point for some of these opportunities, and you may find availability that you otherwise wouldn't have. So I know a lot of us think, oh, it's the weekend, I'm going to head north uh, and go experience these things. But I, I encourage you, especially as we get to the end of the calendar year, you probably have some vacation days still hanging there. You should take advantage of those and Maybe come on a Tuesday and a Wednesday uh, and experience Traverse City in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to burn off some vacation days before I lose them this year. So I was uh, able to get up and do some golfing in the Traverse City area for a weekend with a bunch of buddies. And we had a great time. I highly recommend it. Tell you something else I did this, this past spring. I think that may have been my first wine tour in your area. Uh, took the wine tour, really enjoyed it. Uh, and, you know, I don't drink alcohol, but I still really enjoyed the wine tour. Tell us about those options. Well, you enjoyed it because every winery, every vineyard is a different immersive, immersive experience. Yeah. You get to meet really uh, amazing winemakers and entrepreneurs who have put together uh, their own little world. So we've got 40 of these wineries sprinkled throughout the Old Mission and Leelanau peninsulas. And every one of them you walk into is a different type of experience with a different character uh, and a different, you know, ex- just a, a, a different world. You know, you can go to a Mari vineyard that feels like you're maybe in Tuscany, and then you, you know, go up to Chateau Chantal, maybe you feel like you're in France. Or, you know, there's all these different flavors, and then you get the, the different um, panoramas of water and sunsets. And, of course, the vineyards. So 
I love the experience, too. I do drink the wine, though, and I will say we have some of the best wine uh, in the United States, if not the world. We're so mature now, and I think for some people they think this is more of a novelty. It's not for Traverse City. We take winemaking very seriously. We've won a lot of awards, and it continues to get better. Yep, I I hear that from my friends who really know uh, quality wine. In fact, uh, we had a big group, as you know, in um, in Grand Rapids, actually, earlier this summer. And several of the attendees for that meeting were able to get up to Traverse City either prior to or after, and they were talking very highly about the wines. So it's good to see people recognizing that, people who really know wines as well. Now, now at this time of the year, uh, people have already started to uh, kind of find different places around the state for their annual fall color tour. And, and this is about the time that it really gets interesting in Traverse City. Uh, any speci- specific places that you think people should head out to to uh, check out the colors? I think there's a lot of beauty in just taking the trip. You know, it's funny how uh, we make think driving from Detroit or Grand Rapids or wherever to Traverse City can be a cumbersome experience, but it is such a treat to do it in in autumn because you will experience you know a, a variety of color changes as you uh, traverse the state. And so my I mean one of the biggest joys of that time of year in coming north is the, what's around you on the way. So you know there's really no bad. Uh, route once you get here. I will remind people that Traverse City tends to change colors maybe a little bit later uh, because we're closer to Lake Michigan, and so we're a little bit more insulated. So you'll see more color changing in the middle of the state, like up into Gaylord, before you see it in Traverse City. So that's kind of the cool thing, too. You can take multiple trips north, and every time you come, the the colors will just be moving across the state, getting closer to the water. So I've always loved that, and I I, I promote Traverse City, but I, I'll tell you, the drive from Traverse City up to Chivar- Charlevoix and Petoskey, yeah. oh, it is magical. really and is. And Bay Harbor and Harbor Springs, absolutely stunning colors. Yeah, I agree. Well, and you know, I, obviously you're known for cherries mostly, grapes as well, but do you get a big apple crop there? Because the apples are coming out now, too. We do, and Michigan's one of the le- leading producers of apples in the country, uh, and we've got great varieties here. And I, And I do find that... You know, you go go to a local farmer's market like Traverse City, and we have one downtown here on Wednesdays and Sundays, and you'll find all sorts of varieties. You can try new new flavors. Uh, I, I found a new one uh, a couple years ago, the Sweet Tango. Hmm. There's only like 25, 30 farms that even make this apple, and it's here, you know, and you can have it, and it was grown in Traverse City, uh, and it's it's sweet and delicious and kind of like a honey crisp, but maybe even a little bit sweeter. So, yes, we definitely have those experiences, and you can get your cider and your donuts and all that good stuff, too. It's a variety of reasons to visit Traverse City this time of year. The website, TraverseCity.com. That's all the time we have for this week. We'll talk to you next week on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling.